0: All right, we're rolling. It's the Garage Talk Podcast from South Grants Pass. My buddy Joe Tate is in the garage, and I'm excited to have you over. We've had plenty of conversations in private about everything you can imagine. Everything from duck football to music to uh, professional stuff to kids stuff. What else have we talked about? Yeah, we've been doing
1: it a long time, man. I mean, I think what I came to work at Hertz Car Sales in 2010, so... Wow. Is that what it was, 2010? So it's already
0: been nine years and you came down. Or what did you come down or come up? You came up, right? Came up
1: from Scottsdale, yeah. Came up from Scottsdale. Hey, I got to give all your listeners a disclosure to start this out. So the disclosure is like my friends and family, they'll know this, but, and they'll listen. I cuss a lot and I'll try not to cuss. No, don't, but um, actually. But I know we can cuss.
0: Oh, I hit the E just in case. Okay. (laughs) Well, not really just in case because I can't really do that at my real job and i don't do it in front of my kids but if i'm around my buddies yeah
1: i, I do my best I, I truly will do my best but my friends and family know that i'm a cusser uh and you know for the listeners out there you know my buddy jason does not give you a heads up he, he doesn't give you any kind of script he doesn't he i mean you're pulling it from the hip fortunately for me i listen to the billy lund so I know there's a question coming my way. Oh, yeah. It was mentioned in Billy Lon. Oh, so. okay.
0: So you did do a little show prep. Of then. course. You I, actually did more prep than I did probably.
1: I, I, I do prep. I'm a
0: prepper. Okay, good. Not in the prepper sense of like... I. No, have I'm this, not crazy. I have this room back here yeah. that may or may not be full of items for... Yeah, I'm the not apocalypse. a Mormon,
1: nor do I think that the uh, global invasion is coming soon. But I do have a lot of guns. If case... Because I know that there's two things you can trade in those situations, guns and booze, and I will drink the booze. So <laughs> I, I got guns. That's good. Well, I'm in the Mormon neighborhood, just
0: so you know. Well, I'm it's okay. Surrounded. I got a lot of
1: Mormon. I got a brother right now doing an adult mission in Australia. Don't get me wrong. I, I I'm a, I know some Mormons. Great so. people. a matter of <laughs> fact,
0: people. when we were working on the bath the other day for the elementary school, I texted him because he has every tool under the sun. Oh, yeah. He has the belt sander. He has the chop saw. And, and he'll come over and help. Yeah, he offered to, but I just cruised down on my scooter and he helped me get it all dialed in. And when I came back, my wife even said, wow, these dowels are, what kind of saw does he have? They're rounded. I said, oh, no, he used the chop saw. And then he went to the belt sander and sanded them all night, nice, real nice for us. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, that good was people. good. But yeah, I mean, we we probably have a few things we could talk about for sure. And since you're a small town kid like I am from the state of Oregon... Yeah, I am. We have that connection, even though we're not from the same small town. But you're from?
1: I'm from Mill City, Oregon. Population? More, uh, when I graduated from high school, we were uh, 1565. It is now 1811.
0: Wow. Yeah. See, Glendale was about 700 when I grew up there. And it's probably about the same. I asked my grandma earlier this week, and she said she thought it maybe had shrunk a little bit. But still, under 2,000. I mean, for some people, under 20,000.
1: You know, my it's graduating class in high school was, I believe, 46.
0: Okay, I think ours was right around 38, yeah. so we're pretty close for sure. Yeah. So, growing up in Mill City, Oregon, what was that like?
1: You know, I, I loved growing up in Mill City. It was a great time, you know. Um, my dad worked for Pacific Power and Light, so we weren't in the lumber industry. And obviously, Mill City is at, you know it's named the right place. It, it was full of lumber mills and loggers so you know i never suffered what some logging families do you know out of work in the winter because of the snow and conditions like that my dad worked for pacific power and light for 46 years What so a he had a hell of a run and they they made him leave he loved it he would have kept on working but, but you know they said hey you're, you're 70 you got to leave so then he retired and then worked for 10 more years for pacific power and light teaching safety for power so uh, yeah, he really loved working there and it was a great town to grow up in. Um, you know, I'm still friends with most everybody I went to high school with. Um, and I married somebody that I went to high school with. So, uh, Now
0: you married someone you went to high school with, but it's not like you were high school sweethearts and you nope. dated all through high school and then you got
1: married right out of
0: high school and the rest is history.
1: Though. No, we, we have a, a heck of a history. Um, she moved up to my small town when we were in seventh grade and we all were in you know hey a small class i mean we were the cool kids we thought our little group of 10 12 people so we all ran in the same little circle and my wife went to a party at my house when i was a sophomore going into my junior year and got drunk and got in a little trouble when she got home and her mom sent her to live with her dad. <laughs> so which is where Albany, Oregon. Okay. And so, but we stayed friends. And then in, uh, I think it like 86, uh, she was living in Long Beach, California. And I went down there and flopped on her couch for a while. And, but we never dated. We were just buddies. And, uh, Then life went on and she went to work for Continental Airlines and became a nurse and I moved all over the country and and in 2009-ish, class reunion, social media, kind of realized we're both single and, you know, maybe we had crushes on each other at time periods of that time period, so we kind of started hanging out and, you know, we could more buddies than anything and then, you know, we kind of started dating and she lived here, so that's how I ended up back in Oregon. So it's not
0: like she moved here to come be close to you. She already was here. She
1: moved here from Denver, Colorado in 2001. Um, Her brother lived in Ashland and she wanted to come back to Oregon, but she would come up and visit her brother and really fell in love with Southern Oregon. And she was working for the VA in Denver and showed up and applied with Asante and got a job and loaded up her life and moved to Southern Oregon. And we were living, I was living in, I think about the time she was moving up here, I was passing her in a moving truck, moving to Phoenix, Arizona.
0: So when you moved here from Arizona, did you realize that she was here? Did you know that? Oh, we were already dating. Yeah, we were already
1: dating. Um, I had left the car business and got into the bar business and that allowed me a little more freedom. Uh, than the car business did so I'd come up and visit and we talked a lot and uh, in fact I was up here uh, to see the Ducks play Stanford so I think that was and I uh, well I can tell you the day it was October 2nd 2001 and we were I think number seven or was seven Zach
0: Ertz no
1: no it was the game we won the year that we went into the national championship okay good so, excuse me, not 2001, well, 2010. Okay, so... October was, 2nd, 2010. Okay,
0: because, yes, yeah. uh, Zach Ertz, they beat us at home with Zach Ertz, but 2010 was the big comeback where we onside kicked it,
1: right? It was the big comeback where we were down at halftime, yeah, and then we just lit him up in yep. the second half and went on to play for a national championship that year. So I was up visiting my wife. We went up to the game. Uh, I decided to stay a few extra days because I had some freedom to do that. And... I had thrown out to a guy one time, hey, I'd sell you my part of this restaurant bar and threw out some numbers. And during that visit, uh, my partner called me and said, hey, this guy's here saying he's gonna buy you out. And so I said, work with him for five, six days and I'm gonna come home and flew home on a Monday. And uh, by Wednesday, he had paid the bills and gave me the money that I'd asked for. And I called, who's my wife now? And said, hey, I'm unemployed. And uh, I'm heading to Oregon and find me a place to live. And the rest is history. I had no job. And, but, I, you know, I had been in the car business for 25 years I had a pretty good resume. So I, I figured I would eventually land. And I knew Lithia was, was in Medford, so I, I knew there was a chance that yeah. I might go that way. Though I didn't for a long time.
0: All right, so let's back up before we get into all that. Uh, as of right now, you're the general manager of Medford BMW, and you and I have worked together Throughout the about the past nine years, um, through what I do at the radio station, then that's how I met you, and we'll get back to that in a little bit. But I want to back up to when you were going to high school and when you got out of high school, and where you decided to go, and how that all came about. Because I know at some point you ended up in Southern California, and that's when you started in the car business. When was that? Right out of high school, or no, was there no, some stuff I, in between? Uh, that?
1: I, you know, really, I just I grew up in a small town and. Um, I did not want I had spent a couple summers and working in the woods and the mills and I I I knew I just wasn't that kind of worker to be honest with you I mean I my friends were much better workers than me I, I probably knew that when I was picking berries when I was a kid when they would pick you know a bunch and I'd pick like four boxes you know I just I was more of a talker and so I uh ended up on the east coast and screwed around out there, um, Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. What are you doing out there? I had some family, and, uh, you know, went with the idea of school, and man, I wasn't ready for that. Um, you know, I just wanted to play rock and roll, man. I mean, I just wanted to play rock and roll. That's all I really wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to have a little different hair than everybody else and have earrings and, you know, play rock and roll. So are and, you in a band? Oh, yeah, I was in a band all, all for a long time. But, what was that like? Uh, well, I mean, I was playing, um, you know, I was 15 when I started playing in a band with a bunch of 25-year-olds. So, shit, my dad would have to, sorry, uh, my my dad Nothing would have to. Nothing to, to be sorry about <laughs> here, Joe. Keep my, rolling. My dad would drive me to band practice, you know, then I would drink and smoke cigarettes with a bunch of 25-year-olds and play <laughs> rock and roll. And, you know, we played bars and, you know, the St. A.M. Canyon, I mean, you had to... Uh, you had to be, I mean, you weren't playing the Sex Pistols or something, you know. We were we were a cover band playing what I thought was pretty good songs. But we had to throw in some country songs, you know. And of course. I wasn't a country guy. Uh, I had to sing a couple of country songs, though, because I had a really, the voice I have now I probably had when I was like 12. Um, so, so were you
0: the front man for the band? No, or? I was a
1: drummer. You know, I'm still a drummer. I yeah. mean, I can still sit down and play, but not like I used to. But, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, I was a... Keith Moon was my, you know, Keith Moon and, and Stuart Copeland from The Police. I, th- those were the two guys I wanted to be. And, you know, I, I, uh, like I said, I played in a cover band and like we had to do like John Anderson song, Swinging. And oh, yeah. We'd do David Allen Coe, You Never Call Me By My Name. I had to <laughs> sing those songs. I can still remember the words all these Oh, years really? Like, to, so, like John Anderson swinging, oh, yeah. For sure. Well, what else does he
0: say besides just a swing? And... There is
1: a little girl in our neighborhood. Her name is Charlotte Johnson, and she's really looking good. That whole thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Careful, if you sing too loud, my wife may come busting out here. She <laughs> loves that stuff.
1: So, uh, so yeah. I mean, so I ended up in the East Coast. Did construction. I had some family out there, and that was really cool. I mean, I, I met some, you know, living on Martha's Vineyard, I met, I met some really neat people. My cousin... You know, build a house for... He's a big builder out there, and he still is. And uh, he, you know, built James Taylor's house. So I met James Taylor and met Carly Simon. That didn't mean anything to me at the time. Um, Isn't know. that
0: where all the important people live? Isn't that where a lot of the big politicians yeah, go yeah, for vacation? And The
1: whole uh, Clintons, you know, really turned it on when they were president. But that, I was there before that. I don't but, know if saying well, turn
0: on and Clinton is the
1: that is uh, true. best and, way to put it. Well, actually, I, maybe it is the best yeah. way to put it. And I think Barack has a house out there now, but... Um, when I was there, I mean, it you know it was the playground for the rich and famous. I mean, it was, you know, Walter Cronkite was there, and and it was
0: Robin Leach out there talking about the I'm sure he I'm sure he's done famous. some uh,
1: lifestyles and rich and famous. You know, so then I came back uh, to Oregon, and um, I was at a party with my now wife, and she was had just moved to Long Beach, California, and she was working for Continental Airlines as a res agent, making like four dollars and 80 cents an hour and living with another girl that was actually from this area and she said yeah you should just come down and crash on my couch you know I'm like all right and uh you know I kind of wanted to get to Southern California and so you know we lived in the same apartment for four or five months and then you just go your own way there's no cell phones there's no you know back in those days if you'd I mean, if somebody changed their phone number, you could lose track from them forever. And what year-ish was this?
0: 1986. Okay. Yeah. And so Southern California at that point
1: is a lot different place than it is now. Um, You know, it was a lot smoggier. Um, It wasn't as big. Uh, It wasn't as um, politically divisive as now. I mean, you know, I can't lie, man. I was hanging out on the Sunstreet Strip, going to Motley Crue shows and and you know punk rock shows. And I mean, that was what I wanted to do. And um, I had to get a job. So that's how I got in the car business.
0: And how did that go?
1: There was a job for what was called the service drive attendant, which was um, basically it was a big service department. And I would park cars as they pulled in for service. I would lay down the paper on the floor and put the plastic on the seat put a tag in it, the service writer would do his thing, and I'd go park the car, (laughs) and I was the only guy that spoke English that did it, you know, I was the only uh, white kid, and so I got to know the service writers fairly well, because I spoke English, and so they would have me do stuff for them, like, you know, talk to the customer, and and I realized pretty quickly I had a proclivity to talk to people, and um, eventually, the owner, I wrecked about three cars in three? the park, three cars in a week. <laughs> um, that's pretty, that's you know, hard to do. Well, it's a, you're moving a lot of cars. You're, I was probably moving a hundred cars a day and you know, at first you're, you know, you're p- trying to pay attention to everything and you're hopping in these five O Mustangs and stuff that you never driven as a, as a kid that you can only dream about. Right. I grew up driving a 71 long bed Chevy six cylinder pickup three on the tree with no air conditioning. So, uh, (laughs) sounds like the
0: neighbor kid growing up had the three on the tree. Yeah. Three, three
1: on the tree and no power steering was Armstrong. power steering. (laughs) And you had to turn it about eight times (laughs) to make the corner. So I wrecked three cars in a week and the owner was going to fire me and the service manager's like, Hey, this is a really good kid. Um, find him a different job. He doesn't have to drive. So, I kind of became the owner's um, personal errand boy. And so, he really liked me. And for about six months, all I did was like go chase lunch for him and whatever one he wanted me to do. Go wash my car, go do this, go do that. So, um, But in the meantime, I had started dating a girl at a different car dealership. And so, I'd visit her and the owner... Well, not the owner, but the the general manager of that dealership's like, well, why don't you come to work here? And so I went to work there, you know, paid more money, and I I got to work with my girlfriend. Now,
0: was it the first dealership or the second dealership when you worked for the Legend?
1: I worked for the Legend and the second car dealership, yeah. So
0: you leave the first dealership, and then you go to work for Cal Worthington?
1: I go to work for Cal Worthington, yeah.
0: And what was he like? For people that don't know, there's going to be some people listening to this who probably do know who he is. His commercials were legendary, not just in Southern California. Eventually, I can still
1: sing the jingle. I mean, we had to do it every day. Okay, so well, well, how does it go? Uh, there was many of them, but like, you want a car truck, go see Cal. You want to save a buck, go see Cal. You want a car truck and you want to save a buck, go see Cal. Go see Cal. Go see Cal. And you know, I mean, he he yeah, he was a legend. Uh, you know, was always on Johnny Carson and. Late-night commercials, and, you know, I mean, people just knew Cal. And it was a great place to work. Um, you know, I mean, the funny thing about that is I stopped by that dealership two years ago. I took my service manager, Mike McCornack. We were at a BMW meeting in Los Angeles, and I said, hey, let's go down a day early. He'd never spent any time in L.A., so let's go down a day early, and we'll kind of go see a little bit of L.A. So we rented a car and we drove down to Long Beach took him by to my Favorite bar I liked to drink at and had a sandwich and, you know, took him to the ocean and, you know, had a good time. And then I said, Hey, we're going to swing by Cal Worthington Ford. There was still six guys that I worked with in sales still there.
0: That's incredible. It is incredible. And how old are they now?
1: Well, Cal's dead. Um, but the guys that are still working. Well, there. the guy, the, one of their sales managers is a guy that was named Jasmine. And he started the same day I did. We went to the same training program after I was a lot attendant, tenant, then i became become a salesperson. Um, so he's been there. I started selling cars there in 1987. So he's been there since 1987. He was the same age as me. So he's 53 now.
0: And good for him that he's been able to carve out a, a niche there and be able to stay there for a long time because in the car business, sometimes that's hard to do.
1: Yeah, they have, uh, well the six guys that I worked with are all 25 year employees. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that tells you it was a good place to work. Cal was a great guy. Um, you know, it was fun to work there, but we were open till midnight, dude, seven days a week. We were only closed on Christmas day. That's that just it. unheard of. It is unheard of. I mean, you know, but I was a kid. I didn't know. I only worked the nighttime. So, you know, I, I and I never thought I was going to stay in the car. business. So how long did you matter. work there? Uh, about three and a half years. Then what after that? I moved back home, I moved back to Oregon, um, took a job uh, with Capital Toyota in Salem, Oregon, where I worked for the next 11 years. So
0: so when you were in Salem, is that where you met Kevin or was it after that?
1: Yeah, Kevin, uh, his career was the same kind of path as me. Um, I went to work at Capital in Salem at the Toyota store and he worked right next door at the Chevy store. And, he started as a assistant sales manager, which I started as, and we climbed up to general sales manager together, and then Kevin eventually went and ran Wilsonville Chevrolet up in, in Wilsonville, Oregon, and I eventually left and, and went moved to Scottsdale, Arizona.
0: So did you guys meet at that point, or did you get to know each other then, or was it yeah, later on? Yeah, I mean, on? we...
1: we uh, and the
0: reason I ask is because eventually you guys both end up down in Southern yeah. Oregon, and that's when I meet you. Is because I had met Kevin, so I'm drawing the connection here. Yeah, Kevin and to I how have known each about.
1: other since 1989, and we, because we kind of took the same rank, and this was a is is a family owned store. It's still there, um, and their owner is really a great guy. Um, I loved working for him, and he liked to travel. I mean, he would take all his managers to Sun River or to Palm Springs. So Kevin and I were the traveling companions. I mean, you know, we, for some reason, got hooked up from day one. We'd share a room. And so, you know, since then, you know, we stayed in touch and, and, uh, you know, we're lucky. We both live here in Medford and he hired me at Hertz when I showed up into town and then he left and I took his job and then he's with, you know, Southern Oregon Subaru and uh, he's happy and and we should still see each other on a regular basis. It's a small, small world, the car business.
0: Yeah, that's great. I haven't had a chance to see him for a while, even though I work right down the road. But I need to get down there and see him, just catch up with him. Um, so let's talk about what happened between Salem and Medford. Because there's a lot of time between there, right? And there's a couple stops along the way. and <laughs> There a is a few stops Interesting along adventures. Because you mentioned a little while ago the bar. And that was in Arizona. Mm-hmm. But you were somewhere else between Salem and Arizona. Yeah,
1: from, um, from uh, I believe it was 2000. It could have been early 2001. I moved to Scottsdale. Um, I had gotten divorced. And, you know, uh, the car business wasn't that great at that time in Portland. And, uh, you know, you show up into court and they say, hey, here's what you got to pay in child support and alimony. You go, whoa. Um, So, you know, we made a decision, my ex-wife and I, that she was okay with me going to Arizona where I could make more money and she would be very flexible on my visitation and and communication with my kids. So it it made it an an ability to do that. And I went to work for um, a company called Van Tile. And Van Tile recently, well, it's been about five years ago now, maybe four, uh, he sold that company to Berkshire Hathaway. Um, Warren Buffett personally mm-hmm. bought that his dealerships for for five billion dollars.
0: Five. That's with the, a B. With billion.
1: Yeah. Dollars. So Larry Mantel had 82 dealerships. He was the largest private dealer in the country. And I went down with a group of. Initially, there was four of us, and we ended up at one point having like eleven of us, and we took over a Chevy store in. I was a general sales manager, my best friend was the, was the GM, and we took over that store in 2001, and they were number 156 in the country. and on uh, January 2nd, 2004, we were the number one Chevy dealer in the world. So congratulations, that's awesome. From that, uh, Aaron got a lot of offers, and he eventually left that store and took me and, I believe about six other guys, to Nashville, Tennessee, where he took over a Chevy store for a big group called Bill Hurd Chevrolet. And Bill Hurd Chevrolet at the time was the number one GM dealer in the country. They owned more Chevy stores than anybody else. And, you know, I didn't have, like some people would be just excited to go to Nashville. It It didn't turn me on. It didn't have this country love. But I had, you know, a grandfather that played country music his whole life. And I grew up on, you know, uh, George Jones and, and Hank Williams, not Hank Williams, junior, senior uh, Hank Williams, the third Hank Williams and Conway Twitty and, and these guys fair and young. And, you know, I hated it when I was a kid, but when I got to Nashville, you know, the renaissance of Nashville in 2004, when I got there was just happening. Nashville had been way down. And
0: yeah, it was really struggling. Yeah, it was for struggling a while there.
1: And Steve Smith had bought Tootsie's Orchid Lounge a couple of years before that because they were they were going to tear Tootsie's down. I know mean, it's hard to believe that it wouldn't be there, and that Ryman was in shambles, and you know they didn't have uh, it. Just wasn't what Nashville is today. If you've been to Nashville recently, it's you know.
0: Well, they talk about, and I was just there. Uh, let's see. It was. I'm gonna craft another one here. Yeah, you know what?
1: I'm drinking the White Claws <laughs> In case anybody <laughs> cares.
0: Yeah, they, they do. They care. Hold on. Just stall for a second. And I'm gonna. I gotta get a refreshment. <clears throat> it's all. It's like a fake Thursday since Halloween's tomorrow. So, I feel like we can crack as many as we want but uh anyway uh i was just there well
1: i don't follow follow the same rules as you either i my kids are grown oh so, so yeah. you know. <laughs> well for me it's the morning show yeah. getting up oh there. yeah i don't have to be to work at five in the morning yeah
0: that, that makes it well i don't get there till 5 30 ish but it's still
1: a challenge yeah. i promise you i'm still sleep, sleeping at 5 30. my <sighs> wife might be up because she goes to work pretty early you know she's a floor r in it the sante so she has to be on the floor at like six forty-five,
0: and she's in the important part where the heart stuff goes down, right? Yeah, she's, she's still
1: in her. Yeah, nineteen years. Good for her. That's great. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, so
0: anyway, back to Nashville. I was just there for the first time in February, and they talk about the the number of cranes. Like that's how you figure stuff out. You count how many cranes are out there, and buildings are going up as fast as you can look around.
1: Yeah. It uh, when I got there, hold on a second. I still haven't hit one of these yet. Okay.
0: I'm going over the shoulder with the can and see if I can get it in the bucket.
1: Oh, you oh, were really close. So
0: close. I might have to have another one. Yeah. You might have to have, yeah. Drink one more. And try.
1: <laughs> when I got there, there was a few cranes in town. Like I said, it was just making its Renaissance. Um, I was fortunate enough that we actually rented the first big, uh, downtown apartment complex that they built. Um, had some private units up top and, the, and it still does it's the Cumberland building and it's still there it's if you know where the Hermitage Hotel is it's it's right by there so i was right by printers alley and and literally was two blocks from lower broadway so uh and i was single and the four guys that lived in our we we had a five bedroom 3800 square foot apartment in downtown nashville That sounds nashville. terrible. It was terrible. It was terrible. Um you know concierge at the front and you know it was, it was and it was kind of famous the apartment was because it was owned by the guy that owned the Nashville Predators hockey team no and kidding the year that I moved there in 2004 they were on strike so he just put his apartment up for rent and we paid the huge exorbitant uh fees and we thought if we're going to do Nashville we're going to do it right and um Literally, man, the day I got in Nashville, all that country history from my grandfather hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, I was on Lower Broadway, standing at Tootsie's Orchid Lounge, looking across at Ernest Tubb Record Store, and it was like my grandfather's spirit hit me. And I realized, man, this is something special. And I walked into Tootsie's Orchid Lounge and realized that, I mean, this was the place. You know, they drank, they, were, they played at the Ryman, which you couldn't drink inside because it was an old church. But they'd come through the back door, walk into Tootsie's, and, you know, right have a down the alley, right, right? there. Right, it's literally right across from the door. Yep. And, man, it was special to me. And, I mean, I fell in love. I mean, I would have never left Nashville, Tennessee if my kids didn't live in Portland, Oregon. So I was going <laughs> to ask you about that because when you left
0: Salem to go to Arizona and then ultimately end up going to Nashville, was that hard for you to do to go out of town? And you talked about you need to go somewhere else to find a, a, a good-paying job. And the car business was kind of struggling at that time. What was that like for well, you? Well,
1: the car business wasn't struggling in Arizona. Um, but you had to go there. I had to go there. It was hard. I mean, you, you I don't recommend it for most, you know, it's tough to be a father uh, getting divorced uh, because, you know, most of the time, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to judge the system, but the system isn't particularly fair to the father. Um, you know, typically a father's lucky to get every other weekend in Wednesday nights, you know, and that, that was it. I mean, so, you know, if you have a, a pretty good communication with your ex-wife, I mean, you can figure out something that works. And, and that was always part of my deal when I would take a job. I mean, I said, Hey, I have to have this period of time off every month so I can go home and see my kids. And so if they didn't give me that, I didn't take the job, but, uh, Nashville was tough because it was you'd spend a whole day flying. You had to go through Minneapolis or Denver, Denver or Phoenix. I mean, so, you know, eventually I knew this isn't going to work for me, but it was very difficult to leave. It was a great place to live. You know, It wasn't good on my liver. I mean, you know, we were living in two blocks from Tootsie's Orchid Lounge. You know, so.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I wish I would have done when we were there, we were back there for Country Radio Seminar in February, and it was the first time – For me, going to Nashville the first time for Country Radio Seminar, I took it very seriously because I paid my own way to go. Uh, It it wasn't something where work said, you need to go. I just said, I want to go. I want to make the investment myself, and I want to go see what this is all about. I'm really glad I went because Garth Brooks ended up putting on a private show for everyone that went to CRS, which we didn't know was going to happen (laughs) um, at Bridgestone. And it was just a couple sections at Bridgestone. Mm -hmm. And we were just rose from him. It was incredible. Uh, and then he ended up being a guest speaker, one of them. And Jason Aldean was a guest speaker one day. And it was just a really cool experience. But when I went there, I had been having a up and down time before that. And I just decided I'm not drinking at all there. We didn't spend any time on Broadway. We went to all the seminars. We did what we probably should have done if you're very responsible. And that's hit all the seminars, do all the things you're supposed to do. And it actually was awesome. But looking back at it, I think... I was in Nashville. I walked right past Broadway, you know, the cross street sure, to go across, to Bridge, yeah. street, uh, mm-hmm. Bridge Street. I did not turn down Broadway and go down there. And it's crazy at that time. And there's a lot of artists that are throwing shows during CRS because yeah. literally every country artist is in town for country radio seminar because you have all these radio people coming to Nashville. To learn about the country music industry. Yeah, it's the
1: same way. I mean, if you happen to be in Nashville, you used to call it Fanfare. I believe now it's the CMT Music Fest.
0: Uh, I think it's CMA Music
1: Fest. C- yeah. Is it CMA Music Fest? I know for a while, Country Music Television was involved with it. So, but I mean, you know, that's the biggest party.
0: It's a week long. It's party, a week long yeah. party,
1: and everybody that's anybody. Even when I was there, like George Strait showed up, and. George doesn't go anywhere. I mean, he's George Strait. He didn't have to. Yeah. I mean, he's in Texas, he's in Texas roping cattle or whatever he's doing. But, you know, for that, you know, he came into town. So, yeah, it was an awesome place to live. And, you know, the history is, you know, it's there. And if, you know, hopefully you get to go back and really enjoy it. I know you know Memphis like the back of your hand. So, We'll probably make a deal. You can take me to Memphis and show me Memphis, and I'll take you to Nashville and show you Nashville.
0: Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. And, you know, we could possibly pull off both on the same trip because it's you only about, it's about four hours away. about three and a half,
1: four hours. Yeah, if you want to make the trip. The and track. by BMW time, it's about two and a half. So I'll get a BMW in okay, Nashville. This and-
0: sounded pretty good. You know, we were going to go to Knoxville here in uh, about a week and see Garth Brooks at Neyland Stadium, and I had a hotel. I was going to get tickets, and I just thought, man, that's just too much. We already drove to Idaho to see him for two nights, and my wife's a super fan, and I thought, before we have the kid in April or March, whenever we have it, let's do this, let's just go for it. And I just I couldn't do it. It's just so much to fly all the way there. Well, I'll
1: tell you, I mean, you, I went to Neyland for a football game, Tennessee, Georgia, and there ain't nothing like that. I yeah, because they have the
0: river there, and people – Come in I mean, on their boats. You know, There's and...
1: certain traditions that you just can't, but them singing Rocky top. Oh, I mean, it gives me the chills it, and I'm not even a Tennessee I fan. I mean, I had tears in my eyes yeah, and I had no skin in the game. I had duck apparel on. Okay. But it was something special. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, we should do that sometime. That would be a lot of fun. And I'm always looking for a reason to go back there. So. Uh, that'd be cool for sure. So tell me a little bit about when you were in Nashville, what that was like. And cause I know you spent plenty of time down on Broadway. So w- what kind of stories do you have from down there that you can you know, tell
1: know, I mean, you know, you hinted this story, uh, with, with Billy Lund. And so you're going to start with this one. Huh? No, no, but uh, I'm going to get there. Okay, um, good. you I'm know, well, I'd say there's it. a few stories. Uh, I mean, there's lots of stories and you know, some of them I, I probably wouldn't want to tell, but, um,
0: you know, we, 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 were with Kid,
1: we were with Kid Rock one night when he was hanging out at Tootsie's, which is a big play. You know, he got married there to Pam Anderson for a week or whatever they did, you know. And he, like I said, Nashville, yes, it's the country music capital of the world, but it's really the music capital. I mean, when I was living there, Jack White was living there and he was out and about a lot. I mean, a tours might play at, you know, Legends Corner. Uh, Blue Bluebird Cafe any of these places they just might play Kings of Leon so it wasn't just limited to country music
0: and still isn't
1: and still isn't um, but we were out one night with Kid Rock and well we were having a good time and we might have ended up across the street uh, there was a as they would say a gentleman's club and uh, we were also with, with John Rich and that guy uh, knows how to
0: g- have a good time
1: John Rich knows how to partay So, uh, you know, Kid Rock got in a fight at the gentleman's club with the DJ. How Um, does that even happen? The DJ was an ass. I mean, did he pick him out of the crowd and know who it was? And so he was giving him a hard time. I mean, he was macking him a little bit. And you know, I mean, it was, you know, I can't, I can't say anybody was sober, but so John Rich and Kid Rock bailed, uh, in John Rich's, I believe Corvette. Um, they had a couple, uh, employees of the uh of the gentleman's club with them in the front seat of the corvette probably and, not the bouncers either and you know uh, probably two blocks later they got pulled over by the police who at that point were actually looking for kid rock and so they let him go um asked for an autograph and went ahead and let them go which when i woke up to get to work the next morning at very early at like seven thirty, and feeling the pain of the night before, as I turn on the TV, there's a picture of kid rock because they had eventually showed up at John Rich's house to arrest him. Police officer got fired and then, you know, you Google all this. And so, yeah, that happened. Um, you know, Chris Jansen, uh, we, used to go down sometimes during the daytime you know, Tootsie's opens at like eight in the morning and people <clears> play
0: all day long down there.
1: Yeah. And you know, people don't realize, man, if you're down, if you visit Nashville, understand every musician in that town is working for free. They work for tips only. That's Nashville the way it is. And they're happy to do it, but they work hard. Um, and so, they'll play
0: sometimes six hour sets.
1: You betcha you they will. So we were down and it was a daytime shift and it was probably 10 in the morning and it was a Sunday. We were closed on Sundays, Blue Laws South. And so me and my buddy Ryan Scrunchfield walked in and Chris Jansen was on stage. First time we'd saw him, uh, I believe he was 20 years old at the time and did not play harmonica at the time. Uh, had a guitar in him and a half a backup band, but I'll tell you the guy gave you a show. I um, and, and like I said, he was a young man, you know, and they're, and they're playing cover songs. They're not playing anything original on Broadway. I mean, they're playing songs you want to hear when you've been drinking. Mm-hmm. And that's their job, too. you know, and at 10 in the morning, let me tell you what, they allow kids in at 10 in the morning for one. So, you know, it's not for a musician. That exciting. I mean, you're playing at ten in the morning. People aren't drunk. They're not having a good time. They're they're tourists coming in with their kids to see a musician. It's but the
0: wrong ten o'clock. It's you, the wrong ten o'clock. You don't want ten a.m. You want ten p.m. to probably two a.m.
1: Yeah. So and, you know, and back then Tootsie's just had two stages. Now they got four or five, and they've got seating on the top, and it's really blown up. Steve Smith, who bought it, is you know a great guy, and he really built it up, but. Um, So you know we were tight with a musician, a couple of guys that played on a regular basis, John Stone, who's had some success, and Scott Collier, who is living a great life and been playing Broadway now for twenty years. Isn't that something? Never about he's you know had a few publishing things or wrote some songs, but has made a good life for himself playing music on Broadway. You know he teaches a class called Honky Tonk University. And you can look at a Tootsie's webpage and there'll be 30 guys that pay money to come learn how to do it. Um, and it's a hard life. I mean, these guys work hard. you like you said, they might work six hour shifts. So Chris Jansen, we really thought he was talented and probably saw him for six or seven times playing bad shifts. But the first time I saw him at night with a full crowd and he had went and bought a harmonica and learned how to play it in about a week. And if you ever saw the guy, I mean, I heard his last show here was, was questionable, but I thought it was good. I mean, I, I heard he wasn't that happy. And, and, uh, I don't think your rivals did in the radio business, did a very good job of promoting that show. So they should have let your station do it. But you know, I'll, I'll just say this: sorry, museos. I love you, but, (laughs) um, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, There's the headline as my buddy, Michael says, there's
0: the headline.
1: Um, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Chris can flat knock a crowd down and he and he, he would play that hard at tootsies and man we were just blown away we thought this guy's gonna climb to the top and he had some quick success people don't know that john landis the producer was doing a documentary on, on um, neil young and had booked the ryman to do a show <clears throat> and had a lot of musicians come in well Chris was barely 21, and John Landis put him in that documentary, which then propelled him to do um, the uh, Sundance Film Festival and some things. But when we saw him, I mean, he was just a kid, and we were walking out one night. You know, bars are open until like 3.34 in the morning or later in Nashville. And maybe on a Saturday night, we might be there later. And we were coming it out. It may be
0: Sunday. <clears throat> it was definitely Later. Sunday. Yeah.
1: And uh, we were heading out, and we saw. I. I. I it's got to be an old Ford Escort. You know, old hatchback, two door. I mean, old Ford Escort. And I see this guy laying down a blanket and uh, got a guitar. And I mean, and turns around says, "Kid, you know, we don't know this kid, but we we've seen him some, a few times." And and uh, my buddy Ryan's like. I think that's a kid that just played you know so i mean we ask him and what's going on man he's like hey man i moved here from missouri i got nothing i gotta make enough money in there in tabs, to go get an apartment a place to live so i mean we let him crash at our place for a couple weeks uh, he wasn't the first and he wasn't the last i mean we had a big place in it and i mean we didn't care i mean we were all single and you know we were Spending our life. If they would if he would have stole everything in our house, it was all rented. I mean, we didn't move our stuff out from from Arizona, at least for a long time. So yeah, I was a good kid. You know, I fortunately I think I had told you years before he broke about him. (laughs) And I think Yeah, because
0: you had told me about someone that slept on your couch and at that point I had no idea who it was. And then
1: I think I told you when he was playing the Ronky Tonk, hey, you know, this is that kid that I told you about, yeah. Yeah. And you know, Billy Lund warmed up for him that night. And there and there wasn't a lot of people at the Rocky Talk. Well, that's I what mean,
0: Billy said the other day when he was in here that that he was kind of disappointed that the crowd wasn't very good.
1: You know, and I, you know, I my wife had never heard of him. I mean, he had he didn't he'd wrote one song with Tim McGraw. Truck, yeah, that was it. I mean, he didn't have a repertoire of music. Um, well, he did, but that not that we had heard. And you know, I went there and. I, uh, there was a cute girl by the stage and I said, Hey, could you go ask Chris to come out here and just tell me, you know, I'm an old, kind of an old friend of his. And, you know, he came out big hug. We talked for a while. That cute girl was actually his wife and you know, she stayed in touch with me. I mean, she's, she'll Facebook message me like if he's coming to Southern Oregon, she's a really good gal and really put his career back on track. She's
0: his manager, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, uh, You know, he had the same thing that some people do. You know, you have a little success and, you know, a little too much booze, a little too much drugs. I mean, he kind of went off the rail for a while, but she got him back on track and he seems to be doing well. You know, member doesn't even drink anymore. No, no member of the, uh, of the grand old Opry. And, you know, he's out there making a living, doing what he wants. It's all he ever wanted to do. I mean, he had no desire in life to do anything else, but maybe hunt and fish. Yeah. You know, for a living. So a great guy, great kid.
0: Well, and a great story of someone who is living out of their car and just giving it everything they have. And when I was talking to Billy the other day, we were talking about this. You just never know when that break's going to come. And sometimes it's right away for some people. And others pay their way to success. And some pay their way and never you know, have I success. Mean, and then...
1: I got to know John Rich fairly well. And he spends a lot of time on Broadway. And Big Kenny did too. And, you know, and they, they drug Gretchen Wilson out of a bartender at a place called the Bourbon Street Blues and Boogie Club. And, I mean, they heard her sing karaoke one night and invited her. They used to do this Friday night or two, Thursday night music thing. And, you know, I mean, drug her out of basically a trailer house slinging cocktails. I mean, she, you know, I don't know if you've ever talked to Gretchen Wilson, but, you know, yeah. she's probably not going to... Um, be a literary professor at Harvard.
0: No. Um, Matter of fact, she's still slinging cocktails. Just usually she's partying and (laughs) right. Yeah. But, but you know what? I met her in Memphis a couple of years ago and she was awesome. Super nice lady. And matter of fact, when we told her where we were from, she said, Oh, I'm working with a girl from there. Do you guys know Jesse G? So yeah. Why? She goes, well, I just recently took her under my wing. We signed her to my label and she's from Crescent city. And so now Jesse's starting to take off. Matter of fact, she's going to be over at the coast uh, for the the Country Against Cancer event. I'm not sure exactly when this podcast is going to air, so I'm trying to uh, put that together. But it's on November 2nd. That's this weekend. So it'll probably be after. So you're hearing me talking about it. It's probably happened already. But uh, she's planning on coming over here at some point. Jesse is to come over and do the podcast. That's but, awesome. Yeah, she's on uh, Gretchen's label now, and she's playing with uh, Leonard Skinner. And she's played a couple shows, so she's starting to see some success. I think they're
1: on their farewell tour. Yeah,
0: yeah, yep. She played two shows in Vegas with awesome. Them. So, that's great. Pretty pretty cool spot to be in. So <laughs> so um, yeah,
1: that's my you know Nashville experience, and it was awesome. And um, you know, I moved back to Phoenix, and and uh, car business had gone a little sideways in two thousand and eight, and. You know, I had a little bit of something, so I put together this bar deal with a an old buddy of mine, and you know, he was kind of a famous punk rock guy in Phoenix, Arizona, and which doesn't mean a whole lot, but you know, we built this uh, punk rock vibe. You know, I've showed you pictures of it. We had mm-hmm. a kind of beach bar by, vibey, and you know, at the time there wasn't a lot of beer in Phoenix, Scottsdale. There wasn't micro booze like there was all over Oregon, so man, I just slapped in thirty-one beers on tap, like it was Baskin Robbins, and you know worked my tail off and had a good time and it was a couple year break and like I said I I had met my wife and I had an opportunity to sell my portion of that and you know I, I was crazy in love with my wife and still am and she's just the best gal in the world I'm a lucky lucky man as we all are and uh got up here and you know met my old buddy Kevin again and he put me to work and he left the store they gave me the store I had a little run with hertz car sales who i loved working for they were great people and, and they, so i got to meet you and
0: yeah and they still have some things going on unfortunately I had to close the store down Yeah, they, had,
1: and, you know we lost the road highway access i knew it was it was writing on the wall but i loved them so much you know our friend mike frame was trying to get me to come to work at crater lake ford but i was like gosh i just really like working at car, hertz car sales and you know eventually uh you know they called me up and said hey we're on the way we're closing her down and they took good care of all of us you know, yeah first thing and they didn't have to they paid their em- the employees for years of service and and made sure that that no one was hung in the wind and
0: i met a lot of good people over the years doing work with you guys over there at Hertz car sales they're good people some people i still know like cammy and, and her oh husband, yeah they- i
1: mean cammy is just i mean that little Paisley man, she's a she's a handful. That girl, she's so smart. Their little daughter, who yeah. was born when a, you know right when I first started working there, and yeah, they're good people. And I, I sold them a car recently, and
0: yeah, yeah. It's funny how life works because I had a chance to run into them when we were over at Cape Blanco, and uh, since then at Country Crossings and we've had a chance to do a few things with them and her husband always makes sure he buys me the mini donuts anytime we're at a festival. So yeah, it's funny how things just work out and we've had a yeah. chance to do some fun stuff too, with some promotions and yeah. some things. And that's one thing that, you know, I was just telling my wife tonight, matter of fact, when we we're at cheer camp and we've got three girls going through uh, cheer camp here at GP. And, um, I saw a guy that I recently, I stopped by his, his business and I'm not gonna say where it was. But I was actually just stopping by to to introduce myself real quick and he didn't even I mean he doesn't know me from Adam and he didn't even give me the time of the day, which is fine, I get it, people are busy. Um, but I was looking at him tonight, thinking and I I walked right over to my wife and I said, See that guy right there? She goes, Yeah, I don't know who that is And I said, Remember I was telling you the other day I stopped by and the guy like, you know, kind of just shooed me off and and anyway uh, what I'm getting at is that's one thing I've always appreciated about you is that you always have time to hear an idea and we've had some pretty good ideas we over have. the year and put we together have done some pretty cool great things.
1: things. We, I mean, you know, I, I'm i still involved with the Brett Festival. Um, you know, it's close to my heart. I'm a musician. It, I know that my life in school was a lot better because I played music. It meant a lot to me. And so, you know, really most people don't know, you know, the Brit is just a, uh, fundraiser for musicians i mean it's they donate they teach and they and con- continue to keep music going in in schools and it's hard to do anymore i mean mm-hmm. there's just not the funding I, you know, I heard you heard michael uh on your podcast and you know he i mean he did the school board and, and you know he he knows more than most i mean it's just who gets what? And there's just not enough money. I mean it's sad that we live in this country with all this money, and we all pay a bunch of taxes. So I'm, I don't, you know, I don't want to pay any more taxes. I promise you that. But it, you know, music kept me focused. I mean, I I loved it. So I'm involved with the Brit. and we've done some great things when we were partnering at the Brit. and and uh, we did, yeah, we had some fun things.
0: I was just telling someone the other day the story about when we had a party bus, and I want to say. I'm trying
1: to remember who it was. Um, it may have been Trace Atkins. No, it wasn't Trace. Who was it? So it was... Uh... Remember, I, I met Trace, and that's the only time that I just said, man, that guy... You know, I had heard in Nashville from some people <laughs> that he wasn't that friendly, and you know what? He wasn't that fr- friendly. The great thing was, like, he didn't want to do pictures, and, <laughs> and my wife had just yeah. enough glasses of wine that she didn't care, and she gave him a huge... Big hug, you know, and he just uh, but uh it was he played two years ago too. Um I'm totally blanking out right
0: now on who it was. It was we did Montgomery was country, Gentry so. one year, but that's not who it
1: was. It uh, but That them. was a great deal. It was. Yeah, that was a It great wasn't Jay Cohen. We did it was Jay Cohen. Was it? Are you sure it was? Yeah, it was Jay Cohen. Okay. Yep, we did when I was at Hertz, we did um Jake Cohen, we did Willie Nelson twice. Mm-hmm. Once with uh, the great woman. Are you singer. sure it
0: wasn't Billy Carrington? It was
1: Billy because Carrington. Because I remember her yes. holding yeah. all the ladies' purses. Yeah.
0: And okay, so here's the story behind this one. I was doing, I was on jury duty that week. Do you remember this? Yeah. And it ended up being a big trial and they ended up putting me in charge. So I was the lead foreman. They, I don't know how that happened. I was the youngest one. They're like, and the you The only doing? time
1: I got jury duty, I was the the lead foreman. Oh,
0: I don't know what it is. Seems like everybody I know. Maybe it's just personality, but I ended up being a lead foreman. And it was serious business too. Like we, we, we took a lot from someone. You know, and I don't want to get into the details because I don't want those people to ever find me because right. what we took away from them. Well, I, I take that back. They took it away from themselves. We just had to make the official exactly, decision. But I remember us making the decision. I literally ran out of the courthouse here in Grants Pass, jumped in my truck, sped all the way to Medford, ripped into the parking lot. You guys had the barbecue and everything. Literally walked on the steps of the bus and boom, out to Jayville uh, for the concert. And uh, it was another you great You know, if show you were
1: a single DJ then, like a single guy... I don't think there was a man on that bus. I think it was all it ladies. It was a pretty good I mean, was, yeah, There yeah. might have been a couple of husbands in there, but it was all of And I of was ladies. one of them. Gosh, remember? I mean, tons of people showed up for that event. Yeah. It was a great well, time. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, it reminded me, those events that we used to do reminded me of what Michael did with this, uh, what, what, what was it? Macklemore, Macklemore U.S. Cellular. I mean, man, I haven't had... People lined up at my dealership for concert tickets and you were kind enough to call me and say, hey, does for BMW want to give away tickets? I mean, I didn't really know what to expect. You heads up me the day before, but I mean, we had people at our dealership at five in the morning. That walked you
0: know, halfway across town after halfway, they were at the wrong town. location. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it
1: was great. I mean, uh, and even the people that didn't get tickets that stood in line, uh, you know, I'm sure they ended up getting tickets because they, once they took them to the, cellular It sounded like you know almost everybody got got tickets, but
0: yeah, it ended up working out pretty well. But yeah, it was great. (laughs) Yeah, we're working on uh, a little something right now. There's, it's like one of those things. It's a little flicker, you know. It's not a flame yet, but because of that, there's something else kind of going on, and we're kicking around some ideas. So we'll see what happens. I'm really big into recently like bringing different community resources together, and there's a lot of different people out there who can do things and make things happen so we're we're working on a couple things we've got some ideas for St. Jude so we're we're thinking about maybe seeing if we can because that amphitheater needs more I I agree
1: you know I mean talking to I thought I just wasn't sure how it was going to go over but everybody I talked to that was at that show had nothing but great things to say it was awesome and you know we need more like that I mean you know we are so blessed to live in Southern Oregon I mean, I chose to live here. Um, my wife chose to live here. We didn't. We weren't g- born here. We're from up north. Uh, this is a special place to live. It's the people, and, and I mean, you know, you're you're involved with St. Jude, and and I've been involved with St. Jude when I was at Hertz, and I've I've kind of moved some of my um, generosity, or at least the uh, generosity of the dealership, to some other um, areas of charity. But I mean you and I've had this conversation so many times people in Southern Oregon are incredibly, incredibly generous. Yeah. They want to do good things. They want to do good things. You know, I mean, I obviously, you know, you hear bad slang names for Medford and, you know, and I, you know, I had a friend of mine that best friend of my life and we grew up together our whole lives in little mill city, Oregon. He lives in Savannah, Georgia. His wife's a, a PA, a physician's assistant. And, you know, medical, obviously, is big in Southern Oregon. And he, he reached out to me not too long ago. He's like, gosh, we want to get back to Oregon. Um, and he, she's got a great job offer in Medford. But, you know, we're just not sure. School systems and drugs and, you know. And, I mean, I just told him, hey, you just need to get out here and see what this is really about. Because this is a great place to live with great people. And, yeah, we all have our problems. But this is a great 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 place to live
0: and how is it gonna get better if we don't have people like him and his wife moving here
1: you know what I mean
0: it's on us to make it better and this is one of the things I'm really starting to get into more and more as the days and months and years go by is it's about us right it's up to us to make it a better place and that's one of the reasons I started doing this because there's people kicking ass every day Mm -hmm. in our communities around southern Oregon People just don't hear about it enough. Why? Because we're beat up by the negativity on a daily basis. It's
1: everybody's responsibility to be good stewards in your community. I mean, it is, you know, whether it is like Michael, you know, he's a young man to go be part of the school board. I mean, that doesn't pay any money. Mm -mm. That is, you can't, you know, my dad was the mayor of my little town and it took 15 to 30 hours a week in A town of 1500 people I mean it is a lot of work to be part of that and you just have to be good stewards of the community and that's just it's as long as we continue to do that we'll continue to get great people and you know I don't want too many more great people we have just the right amount now (laughs) you know that's the struggle though it really
0: is because I mean in your position it doesn't hurt to have more people no, in doesn't. town to come shop at the dealership and in our business and radio, it doesn't hurt to have more people in the community because you're reaching more people and ultimately it helps us all grow. So it's this fine line of, we want it to feel like community. We don't want it
1: too big. It's, it's that struggle. It's a struggle and it'll always be, I mean, it, you know, it's, uh, you know, when I got to, to Phoenix and, you know, Phoenix is almost doubled in size from when I got to Phoenix. It was a big city for me. I mean, I'd come from Salem, Oregon. Phoenix Mm -hmm. is a huge city. I was just down in Phoenix recently, and I'm like, "Oh my! I mean, it is. It is so big. It is so spread out, and you know, it's just not going to stop." So, I mean, I hope we find a nice, happy medium. I certainly don't want to see it city from Grants Pass to Medford, just nothing but city. Yet, yeah, I mean, I've got a business to run that. Requires people and, you know, requires jobs. I mean, you know, BMWs aren't particularly inexpensive cars. So, you know, we, not the easiest car to buy, though most of what we sell are used cars like anybody else. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so if I was 10 years from now, close to retirement, I would wish no one moved here. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> right. But right now I still get, so, you know, for the next 10 years, then you can move out. But yeah, yeah I, I, I don't think I, I ever see myself leaving this part of the country. And so well,
0: that's good. Cause I like having you around for sure. I like having you around. Absolutely buddy. Well, we're only uh, a couple of minutes from wrapping this thing up and I always like to end it with maybe a, a tidbit of advice. I know you've had a lot of different life experiences. You've had, uh, you know, older family members that have had, you know, struggles like we all have. And you've had work changes and life changes and divorce and all of those things. So offering a tidbit of advice to someone listening who may uh, either motivate that person listening to maybe chase something they've always wanted to do or just do something, what would that
1: be? You know, I mean, that that is a, a an odd question. Uh, it's a great question. Um, you know, personally, I mean, I've had my ups of downs. I mean, I, you know, the car business, you, you can't imagine what... The business world was like in 2007, 2008. I mean, guys losing everything, you know. And I, I had uh, friends of mine that are, that do what I do for a living that that didn't make the right, that chose a, a different way out. And you know, it just all gets better. I mean, if you continue to do the right thing, it will get better. Mm-hmm. As long as you're doing the right thing, you know. And that's that's me running a car dealership. You know, I mean. I try to do the right thing. Do I always? No, I make mistakes. I'm a human being. But in general, I mean, if I tell you I'm going to take care of you, I take care of you. I I spend way too much a month. My owner would love for me to lower the what we call the policy account, which is me fixing stuff after the fact account. He, you know, it, it's just straight profit that goes away, but it's, to me it doesn't. But yeah, you know, I mean, I I I had two brothers commit suicide. So I mean, one was bad enough, and two, I mean, it is uh, heartbreaking. Um, so I, I know the pain of that, And but it all gets better, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, man, when I got divorced and I was away from my kids, I thought, geez, it's never gonna get better. But man, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I mean, I got two great kids, one at Washington State, God, one at Oregon State, God, I raised my kids bad. (laughs) Um, No. They're in school. You did a great job. Even if they're going to lose to the Ducks. And a wife that truly I am crazy in love with. And my parents are all still alive. And my kids are healthy. They're in school. I get along with my ex-wife. I got a boss that I really like working for. And, buddy, I run a BMW dealership. I mean, who'd have thunk? I'm a kid from Mill City, Oregon. You know? What was the chance... I mean, I didn't even, you know, when I learned about a BMW, it was on the TV show Mood Lighting. That was like when I was 18, 19 years old. Wow, what's that kind of car? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, if you just keep your, your head forward, you move forward, and you do the right thing, it'll all work out.
0: Yeah, I was just talking to someone today who has a teenager, and he was telling me how his teenager, who doesn't talk a lot, came to him and, and told him how depressed she was and She really thought she was depressed and didn't understand and had been doing a lot of research and actually kind of scared him. Um, but I think what you said there is important because I've had challenges in my life. We all have, and we all have struggles, right? And it seems like now more than ever, because there's so much awareness about anxiety and all these different Mm -hmm. things. And to know that if you just keep trying and you're not afraid of it, And you can talk about it and you're not afraid to talk about it and you can talk to someone about it that eventually it's going to start to get better and things are going to start to change for you and you're going to find things to find joy in. And before you know it, your life is completely different than it was. And that's the important thing is just knowing that things can change so quickly for you for the better, just like it can for the worse. If you choose to look at it that way and so much of it is perspective and being open to changing it or making it better.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, hell, I mean, I I was the happiest guy in the world running Hertz car sales. You know, I mean, it was a great place to work, had a good life. We're buying a new house, and they walk in and say, hey, we're closing. And I had just turned down a great job with Crater Lake Ford. I'm like, wow, what am I going to do? You know, and... know we continued on we bought our house and uh you know i spent a little time at crater lake ford because i had a really good friend that's no longer here in medford but he moved to another city but you know he took care of me said hey i'll put you to work for four or five months i don't need you but you've always been good to me and you'll figure out what you're going to do over the next four or five months and you know i was blessed that uh medford bmw came open and they thought i was good enough to do it and you know, it's worked out pretty well for us. We won a couple Center of Excellence awards, and and we've done some things that I guess we never thought we could do, and and we're gonna do it again this year. And good for and, you, you know. And uh, get to hang out with you a little bit and drink these great. Uh, my wife calls them dew claws. <laughs> Uh, that's the archery yeah Uh, that's the archery story they're white claws because uh you know I'm a big fat guy that's had two heart attacks so you know no carbs and you know there's nothing being buried I mean when you've had two heart attacks and you're married to a cardiac nurse I mean she just inherited me this way but you know uh but I am what I am but yeah in fact the last heart attack you know I I drove myself to the hospital Jeez, my wife was not happy i can imagine and she was in bed and i mean she was at the house and and you just left i was feeling pretty rough in the uh, shower and then i was heading down McCandra's. you know i live at the top of hillcrest McCandra's and i was coming down McCandra's and i i had was heading to a doctor's plan i was going in to see my doctor and i went yeah i don't think i'm gonna make the ride on that so i pulled over the side of the road for a minute see if i was getting lightheaded then i drove on in to the emergency room at asante and Parked my car and walked inside, and I looked at this girl and I said, "Yeah, I'm having a heart attack, so you need to get me somebody. And she's like, huh well, I'm having a heart attack. And fortunately, my cardiologist was right there. I'm a blessed guy. I mean, things, right. you know, I mean, I'm a blessed guy. My cardiologist, who's the best in the world, Dr. Mark Moran. I mean, we have the best cardiologist in the country, right here in Medford, Oregon. And he was happened to be the in the building. You know, next thing I know is... Get myself all better and three days later got out of the hospital and you know i was supposed to take a couple of weeks off but i'm a car guy so i went back to work the next day and, of course uh, you did and my you know, my <laughs> wife wasn't happy but man it was the end of the year we needed to really finish yeah. the year off strong you know it was right after right before christmas so.
0: well i'll tell you this much when i get ashley her shirt made i'll get you one too and uh, i came up with this one day it's white claw and wing it and i'll White claw and wing it. I want to uh, trademark that, copyright or whatever you're supposed to do. Is that what your
1: partner drinks? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And no, they're not paying us to say that, but I think that would be a great slogan for a shirt. White claw claw and wing wing it. it.
1: Well, I'll tell you, it was great talking to you, my friend. (laughs) You too, buddy. I love this concept that you're doing. I told you that from day one. You know, I hope you get so big doing this. That you can just stay home and have more kids. Because, well, I mean, you I love know. to have kids.
0: I don't know that that's gonna. Ha- I mean, the staying home part, I'm okay <laughs> with. Uh, even though I don't know that I'd ever leave my radio show unless they kick me out. But uh, the kids part, I don't know, man. I my buddy keeps telling me it's gonna be twins, and we're gonna have a six I was instead say, of I five. Hope and I'm like, why are you guys saying this? And you know, if it is though, it is. And when I decided to finally give in and go for five, I I decided you know what I've been selfish enough saying no, so it is what it is. We have enough room. Hopefully, I can provide for them. Well,
1: that you know that's how it is in my house. I mean, you know, my wife never had kids, so uh, that's her philosophy on cats. You know, oh. you know we you have, have all the cats and yeah, I'll have yeah, all the kids. We have three cats and a dog, yeah. so and they're a handful. They flooded my house. Twenty five thousand dollars worth of damage to the house. Yeah, from we a cat. didn't even
0: get to that part, but. Uh, On that note, uh, we'll wrap it up, and I appreciate you coming over, especially on a school night, and uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime.
1: That sounds good. Thanks, Jason. Uh,
0: Joe Tate, he's the general manager of Medford BMW, and uh, a great story, lots of great stories from uh, Salem to Nashville, Arizona, and everywhere in between. Another Garage Talk podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, give it a five-star, four, whatever. We'll take whatever we can get. Share it with your friends, and... uh, just let them know you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Everywhere from Apple to Spotify to TuneIn, Stitcher, I don't even know the rest, SoundCloud, SoundHound, whatever else. Check it out and uh, or not. There you go.